What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, and the author of Pre-Med Mondays, Wait For It, and the author of the new Dr. Doc children's book series. So excited about this children's book. Actually holding it in my hand right now, and a lot of you guys already got it. I've been getting just great messages, and just thank you guys for the feedback. Super excited about the book. If you haven't gotten it, make sure you go on Amazon and get it. Children's book. Dr. Doc, Tony and Jace learn about the heart. That is the first of five in this series. All right. The other ones will be coming out in the months to come. Super excited to have you guys here on the Black Men and White Coats podcast, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. My guest today is phenomenal. He's awesome. He's amazing. He is superb. He's outstanding. He's brilliant. He's wise. He's savvy and all the other great adjectives you can think about. Uh, he's my buddy, my mentee, Aaron Dotson, Mr. Aaron Dotson. I'm going to let you hear all about him here in a second. Um, and trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. This is a phenomenal episode. Phenomenal episode. I'm not even joking. I know you guys will say, well, Dr. Dale, you say that every time, but I'm not joking today. This is probably one of my favorite episodes, period, that we've done. Um, just the, his story and, and the way he tells the story. He just comes across so phenomenal on the podcast. So you're definitely going to want to share this one with everybody you know right so a lot's been going on here lately in my life i'll just give you guys a little insight so i've been getting tons of messages from people saying hey dr dale when's the black men and white coat summit when's the black men and white coat summit save us spots all right that's coming that is coming i'm gonna say right now that you guys know we're planning for the dallas black men and white coat summit tentatively for february 15th so mark your calendars and on top of that we're actually partnering with other um, cities across the country, other programs, institutions to do black men and white coats in various cities across the country. So mark your calendars, might be coming to a city near you. Um, you, you guys are going to be in for a treat, all right? We've already got some of these underway and we're rolling and we're going to be rolling these out over the next few months and let you guys know where we're coming to throughout the year 2020. You know, because after the first summit we did, um, not the first one, the first black men and white coats youth summit was actually done in Memphis, Tennessee, and that was put on by Baptist Memorial Health. So, you know, we put the one on here in Dallas and and we're partnering with organizations across the country for them to put, put put them on across the country. But, you know, after the Dallas Summit, I mean, goodness, things just blew up. Everybody was reaching out. Everybody wanted a summit in their city. We wanted to go to every city, but we didn't have the resources ourselves. So what we're doing is we are partnering with organizations that are interested and believe in our mission. And that's how we're actually getting to all you guys, all these cities. So, um, you know, I've been on a lot of calls here lately. Um, you know, I got to do I still work a full time job. Right. So I'm doing my calls early mornings after work and and it's just kind of crazy man it's just a whole lot of calls lately but you know i'm putting in the work and we're grinding because we want to make sure we can get this to all of you guys and we want all of you guys to have the opportunity to experience black men and white coats uh the opportunity for you all to rise up rise up rise up that's why we're doing this right um so let's talk about the guest today mr aaron dotson so many great things i could say about him if you guys watched um, the Today Show, when I was on the Today Show a few months ago, that was Aaron on the show with me, right? Um, I've known him for a few years now. We were I'm, I'm in Dallas, of course, and he did his undergrad here in Dallas, so we met while he was an undergrad. And, um, you know, I, I mean, this kid, the sky is his limit, right? I don't think he even realized it. I call him a kid. He's a, he's a man, but, you know, I'm, I'm at this stage in my life now when I think about people who are younger than me, and I just call them kid. But so... Forgive me, Aaron. I don't mean to call you a kid like that. That's just my vernacular now. So, you know, Aaron, he is amazing. He gets stuff done. 
He's a wonderful mentor for his mentees. Um, and, you know, I just, I imagine he's going to be an ophthalmologist. And I imagine if I had an eye problem and, you know, after he got a few years of training, he's the type of doctor that I would want taking care of me just from knowing how, how much of a perfectionist he is and how serious and, and how, how much he, he gives us all to everything. He's the type of doctor I would want to take care of me. But it's got a great story. You guys need to hear the story. I'm not going to ruin it for you guys, but, you know, I always got to give you a little tidbit at the start. My tidbit I'm going to tell you guys at the start is this guy was shadowing a doctor when he was about six years old. Who does that? He was shadowing a medical doctor at the age of six years old. That is crazy. Or he says six to eight years, you know, somewhere in that six to eight range. I'm looking at my kids right now. I've got a, I've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old. I'm imagining my eight-year-old even shadowing, right? So Aaron was way, way, way beyond the curve when it come, came to having an interest and that maturity to go out there and, and actually do things that he was interested in. Shadowing at six years old, that is just bonkers to me. But so much other cool stuff, so many ups and downs in his life, and you're going to hear about some of them in this episode. I'm going to be quiet now, let you hear my guy, my mentee, Miss Aaron Dotson. Hello, hello, hello. This is Aaron Douglas Dotson, a.k.a. Student Dr. D, a.k.a. Mr. Until Something Happens, uh, signing in for Black Men in White Coats, here to talk with you all a little bit about uh, why I went into medicine, why I want to become a doctor, and the, the journey that I've taken essentially from the very beginning to get to where I am today. Now, it's not just going to be talking about all the good stuff that's been happening within my life. I plan to talk about, you know, those those hills that I had to climb as well as those valleys that I, I sometimes found myself deep into uh, within this journey. So without further ado, uh, let's get started. So in fact, before we actually get started, a, a little bit about myself. Uh, once again, my name is Aaron Douglas Dotson. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, from the Inglewood area. Uh, and I attended the University of Texas at Dallas, where I studied neuroscience pre-med while minoring in music with an emphasis in classical piano and composition. And I am now a fourth year medical students at the St. Louis University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri, currently applying, uh, receiving interviews, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully matching into the best specialty um, on the entire planet. Um, I'm a little bit biased, uh, but, um, you know, applying and interviewing for the specialty of ophthalmology, which is eye surgery, my absolute favorite specialty on the planet, y'all. So let's get started. So a question that I get a lot from people is, you know, well, Aaron, when did you first realize that you wanted to become a doctor? Have you always known you wanted to become a doctor? Was there ever anything else that you were considering? X, Y, and Z. And this, this pretty much dates back to when I was a young, young kid. I would say probably six or seven years old. So I was a very nerdy and geeky kid growing up. You know, I, I loved math and science. I enjoyed biology. I was just, I was a very nosy kid. 
like I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed I enjoyed knowing why things did what they did. So as a young kid, you know, I would often accompany my mother to her doctor's appointments. And her her doctor was Dr. Gilbert at the time. He was practicing in Inglewood, California. He's currently retired right now. Uh, Dr. Gilbert, uh, you know, he he was great. He was a black man in a white coat. He was the first black male physician that I had ever met in my entire life. And I was just so mesmerized just to see someone who who looks like me, who was doing such amazing things at such a high level itself. And, you know, me being the nosy kid all the time, you know, he would be placing the stethoscope um, over my mom, you know, listening to her, listening to her heart as well as her lungs. And I will always just be like, well, what are you listening for? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? What does this do? What does that do? And it it got to a point where Dr. Gilbert was like, well, Aaron, since you have so many questions that you just keep on asking, <laughs> aka since you're bugging me so much, <laughs> but not really. Uh, so because I had all those questions, you know, he, he basically told me, he was like, since you have all those questions, Aaron, uh, why don't you come in and shadow with me and learn more about what it is that I do on the day-to-day uh, level so that, you know, so that one, you can get those questions and answered. And that number two, you could possibly consider this as your future career. That was a big, big, big turning point within my life at such a young age. So around, you know, like I said, age six, seven, eight, I was uh, shadowing my mother's physician in internal medicine, Dr. Gilbert, and he taught me so much. He taught me so, so, so much. Um, you know, I was, uh, he, it got to the point where he was sending me in in order to gather the subjective information from my patients. I would then come back and present that information to him, just like a medical student would, just like a resident would basically to their attending. He and I would pull out his very big, um, medical encyclopedias and we would go through and read through a lot of the medical terminology, medical pathology, medical physiology. And it's like me as like this young, geeky, nerd nerdy kid, I was just so mesmerized with everything that medicine had to offer. And from that young age, I knew for a fact that that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to be a black man in a white coat. From that time on, you know, I went through um, high school. Uh, you know, I, I loved high school. I really did enjoy it. Um, I love, I continue to love the maths as well as the sciences. Uh, biology as well as uh, calculus were some of my favorite courses while I was in high school. <laughs> and, you know, it, it just, it further confirmed for me that medicine was the path that I truly wanted to do. Uh, now, you know, I wasn't really too sure on what specialty I was kind of looking into at that time, but I had somewhat of an inclination towards uh, um, psychiatry as well as neurology towards the end of my years in high school. Uh, so I'm originally from, like I mentioned, Los Angeles within the Inglewood area. And, you know, Inglewood, in my opinion, although it has gotten better over the years, at that time point, uh, it really wasn't the best place in the world to live in. Uh, Inglewood has a long history of being plagued by gang violence, by um, substance abuse within um, people that are there, homelessness, and so much, so much negative Activity at that time. Um, and I was very interested and curious when it came to drug and alcohol addiction. I wanted to know more about 
why would people, uh, why do people get hooked on these drugs? What exactly happens in the brain that becomes manipulated so that they are addicted to these drugs for a long period of time? Uh, X, Y, and Z, you know, what, what makes people think? What makes people tick? So from there, you know, the end of high school, um, I knew that I wanted to study either uh, psychology or the neurosciences. Uh, and, you know, uh, being from Los Angeles, California, you know, I, I, I really didn't want to stay in California uh, for college. I was kind of that rebellious kid. Uh, I didn't apply to any colleges within California or, in fact, the West Coast itself. Uh, but I found a university that was within Dallas, Texas, that stood out to me the most. This is the University of Texas at Dallas. I get this all the time, you know, why on earth did you want to attend there? Why did you even apply there? You're not a Texas resident, blah, blah, blah. None of that stuff matters. UT Dallas had an entire school devoted towards behavioral and brain sciences. They had retired physicians teaching the courses to the students. They had a strong track record for pre-medical students. And they also had many professors who were PhDs who had trained at top institutes from all over the world. I knew for a fact that if I wanted to study neuroscience, that was the place that I wanted to be. So from that point on, you know, I committed to going to UT Dallas. Um, like I said, I studied neuroscience and I minored in music with an emphasis in classical piano and composition. Uh, prior to talking about, you know, my college experience and stuff, you know, music has always been a part of my entire life. Um, my, my family, the Dotsons, uh, we are a very, very, very musical family. Uh, both my mother and father, they would sing to my brother and I, um, all the time growing up as kids. When my mom was pregnant with me, I, she'll tell it herself, you know, she was saying to me, her and my dad was saying to me every single day as much as possible. You know, I got started out with playing uh, piano when um, about 18 or 19 years ago, I uh, started playing by ear and then I got into reading sheet music and pretty much took off from there. I love playing classical piano. I still try to play as much as I can today. And I was very grateful and glad that I was able to pursue that uh, while I was in college as well. So, yeah, you know, so college comes around. Uh, things are going OK, but in reality, they uh, they. They, they sort of kind of weren't. So my, my classes at UT Dallas, they were very, very, very challenging. I realized very quickly that there are so many talented, bright young minds who were sitting next to me who wanted that same exact goal as far as going on to medical school, becoming a practicing physician, changing the world for the better. And there were times in college where I had what we would call imposter syndrome, where I, I question myself. I would question often, you know, did I belong here? Is this truly the path that I was destined to go into, etc.? And, you know, it got to a very tough point where I would look at my pre-medical uh, friends and pre-med students and be like, you know what? Some of these people are kind of crazy. They're, they're a little bit, uh, nuts, you know? Uh, they, they would often stress out about making the, the most perfect of grades, making sure that they had the best research opportunities and volunteerism and checking off all these boxes. And at that time, you know, it just, it became so overwhelming for myself. And it got to a point where I had actually decided to quit. During the first year of college, um, I told myself, you know, I said, I don't want to go on to medical school. This is too much for me. Although I'm making okay grades, is it worth the stress? Is it worth the heartache and everything? Um, and I'd actually, uh, 
pretty much changed everything over to being pre-pharmacy. I told myself, I was like, you know, I, I love medicine, but there are plenty of other avenues and to go into medicine and to help people and et cetera. So I, I was, I was pretty much changing everything over to pharmacy, but there was one person individually who, who came in at such a good point in my life in college. And she truly changed my life just from one little sit down, one little meeting, you know? So, um, right before I was getting ready to change everything over to uh, pre-pharmacy and such, um, I was walking in the student union and I see my friend, uh, Lauren, um, and you know, we see each other, we haven't seen each other in a little bit of time. We start catching up and everything, asking each other, like, okay, how's life going? How class is going? How's your major and everything doing? And, um, she told me about a program. She told me about an excellent program. At this time, it was the Summer Medical and Dental Education Program, SMDEP. Um, so she told me about all the wonderful things of the program and that she was like, you know what, Aaron, uh, you should definitely consider applying. Like what, what, what bad is it going to do? I mean, it can only help you out. If they tell you, yeah, then cool. You get to go have a fun summer. If they tell you no, cool. Like at least you know that you tried. Um, so she told me about the program. It was about, um, two weeks before the application was due. So I scrambled to find people to write letters of recommendation. I worked on my essays. I did everything I possibly could. And I applied. And I remember the night very distinctly when I got my email. And for SMDEP at that time, you would apply to three separate sites. And in that email, I was scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Cause you know, they didn't tell you if you got accepted on the email title alone. They made you go up in there and read, thank you so much for applying to, to SMD, please, yada, yada, yada. I scrolled down. The first site that I applied for, it said denied. The second site that I applied for, I kept on scrolling y'all. It said denied as well. And at the bottom of that email, it said accepted at Yale SMDEP for 2012. And from that point on, I knew that I wasn't done with medicine. I knew that I wasn't done with becoming a doctor. So instead of changing everything over to pre-pharmacy, I moved stuff back over to the track of pre-medicine. And that was that. You know, I, at the summer after my first year of college, I completed SMDEP at Yale and I had such a blast. I got to meet students from all over the country, all over the country who were, um, who were, who were extremely intelligent, who were very bright, very talented, other minority students who were interested in doing the same career path as me. And when I say, you know, these are the same people that I am still friends with to this day, like for real, like seven, seven years, like, yeah, 2000, 2012, 2019, seven years later, I'm still friends with these people. I'm still seeing these people at, at conferences right now. Whenever I'm in their city, we always try to hang out and everything. SMDEP truly changed my life for the best. And that was a program that really helped to confirm that, yeah, like Aaron, you're going to be a doctor. It's, it's going to be all right. Everything is going to be absolutely all right. So I did SMDEP Yale. Um, the summer after my sophomore year of college, I then did um, a summer internship program at Johns Hopkins where I got to do research in pulmonary and critical care medicine. I got to do lab research, working with guinea pigs, um, and I also was able to train in doing um, rodent tracheal surgeries. And at that point in time, you know, I, the, the wheels started turning in my head like, wait a minute, y'all, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with my hands right here. I really enjoy doing surgery. 
maybe I should consider this for my future. But you know, at that time at Johns Hopkins, I went that it, it, the idea came and it kind of went, and then I went back to to classes for my junior year, and you know, uh, it didn't really register with me at that point. But that truly was when the seed was planted when it came to surgery itself. You know, so um, a little bit more about what happened while I was in college here. Uh, College was, it was good. You know, I enjoyed myself. I made good grades, but it wasn't always so perfect. Um, there was a point in time where I had an exam both in biochemistry as well as in physics. And I was struggling in biochemistry. Let my mentors tell you, ooh, wee, ooh, wee, ooh, wee. <laughs> the night before, um, I was studying so hard and I knew that I probably was not going to perform as well as I wanted to. So um, I was struggling. Um, I, I do consider myself to be Christian. I'm very rooted and grounded in my faith. So I prayed that night. I prayed to God. I was like, God, like <laughs> if being a doctor is truly what you want for me to do, uh, I, I need a sign. I need for you to show me something because right now I can't see because the path in front of me is so hazy. The path in front of me is so unsteady. I feel like I'm studying and studying. This information is not going into my head. I have this testimony. God, can you please show me the way? Give me something, you know. So that that next day, I took that biochemistry test, and uh, you know that 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 um that message, that something that I was praying for, was not revealed during that biochem test. Uh, I did not do the greatest on it. Um, and after taking the biochem test, I went on to take my physics exam. You know, we're all sitting there waiting for the professor to pass out the, um, the, the test and everything. Uh, prof, he passes out all the tests. Everything's turned over before this man says, turn over your test to take it and everything. We had a school wide blackout. An entire school wide blackout. Now, now I know what some of y'all may be thinking, y'all. Like, I, I did not cause this myself. No one in my class caused this, or at least I hope not. But it, say the least, I did not cause this myself. It came completely out of the blue. As soon as the room went dark, I looked up to the ceiling and I, I put my hands together. I said, "Okay, God, you know." We ain't going to have this argument no more. We ain't going to have this this talk no more about uncertainty. I know that you want me to be a doctor. This is the sign that you're giving me right now. Um, and, you know, uh, this was like right before my spring break. So I had a week to study for this physics exam. I came back, crushed that physics test, and I went on forward knowing that regardless of how hard the path gets, regardless of how tough things may get in my life, that uh, this truly is the journey that was destined and bestowed upon uh, me. Going a little bit further within college, you know, I got involved in a lot of research. Um, I did a neuroscience research in Dr. Croner's lab where I actually got to train, perform, and actually teach rodent stereotactic neurosurgery. Yes, neurosurgery. I would put my animals under with anesthesia. I would operate on them. I would, um, you know, sew them back up. They would recover and they would go on to do their experiments. At that point in time there in my junior year, I knew that I wanted to become a surgeon. I loved being able to operate, put on my music and just go to work, work on my animals and then, you know, just go home. It was a blast. I knew that I wanted to do surgery. And at that point, I was considering neurosurgery, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the end of college comes about. Um, I was uh, very blessed to have been chosen to be the uh, commencement speaker while I was in college. And I was also named uh, the student leader of the year. Um, I love UT Dallas. I truly do adore UT Dallas. And I would do anything for that institution as possible. Uh, because everyone there has been such so good to me. 
Um, so, you know, college is done, but th then what came a little bit afterwards, as well as a little bit in between, um, you know, there, there were some also some difficulties that were there. Um, so in college, I was planning to take my MCAT and, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm take the MCAT. I have this, this perfect little timeline. I'm gonna apply to medical school this year and everything's gonna be perfect. And I'm gonna graduate and go straight on into medical school. Nope. That did not happen at all, y'all. So I, I took the MCAT for the first time and I did very, very, very bad. Um, verbal reasoning, uh, in particular was my lowest score. Uh, I, I do not like verbal reasoning at all. Um, and I knew that with that score and my timeline being completely, uh, essentially derailed a bit that I was going to have to take a gap year and that I would have to retake my MCAT score higher um, in order to even consider having a chance for medical school itself. So, you know, I, I retook my MCAT, um, uh, I believe sometime during my senior year. I did score higher, but really still below the national average, significantly below the national average for students that were getting accepted into medical school and still below the national average for everyone who was taking the examination itself. And I knew at that point that um, it, it was it was now or never. I still felt that I wanted to go to medical school. So some people in my life may have told me like, well, you know, Aaron, you may want to consider a different route. Oh, well, you, you may want to try to retake your MCAT. Oh, well, this isn't a good path for you. You should consider, you should go do something else. I didn't listen to those naysayers. Um, I put everything into perspective as far as my high GPA, all of my leadership and research and shadowing experience. I put all that stuff on the good and I really felt like that outweighed the bit of the bad when it came to that in my MCAT. And I applied anyways. Um, so, you know, after college, I did a one year gap year where I did research at the UT Dallas um, Center for Vital Longevity, where I did uh, research in Alzheimer's disease. And it was a good year. You know, I got to learn um, how to pay bills. I got to learn what it meant to be an adult. Uh, but I also realized that I wanted to go to medical school even like better at that time because no offense to anyone who works at a desk job, but me personally, I found it so depressing to work at a desk for 30 plus years, retire and die. That was something that I did not want for myself. So, you know, going in the day to day, I was happy to be able to have a job and work and to do research, but it was also good motivation for me to, to work hard on my interviews, to make sure that I was doing what I needed to do. So I applied to medical school during my gap year. Um, I had, I think I applied at about 30 different schools. I interviewed at six schools. I was accepted at four of those schools and I was waitlisted at one, rejected at one. And I decided to attend the St. Louis University uh, School of Medicine for a number of different reasons. Um, I truly do love St. Louis U because, um, I mean, number one is it's a Jesuit Catholic institution. Now, with that said, you don't have to be Jesuit. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't even have to be Christian to go to this medical school. The key is that the Jesuit Catholics, they just wanted to help people. They wanted to treat the poorest of the poor. They wanted to treat underserved and disadvantaged communities. And they just wanted to see the community be uplifted. 
That's what I am passionate, passionate, very passionate about. And that's the main reason why I chose to come here at SLU. Um, also, St. Louis University is a very diverse medical school itself. And I knew that coming here, I would be very supported as being a black man in medical school itself. So that's another reason why I chose to come here. And my journey thus far has been, it's been good. You know, I've had some ups. I've also, I've, I've had some downs as well while I've, while I've been in medical school. You know, uh, first year of medical school, anatomy, anatomy was very, very, very tough. That was the point um, in my life where I felt like I had a little bit of depression um, because it was it was it was very rigorous. You were constantly waking up to go into dissect and to learn all this material. And I felt like I was trying to learn stuff and it wasn't getting in my head fast enough. Um, but you know, fortunately I did very well with an anatomy in the end. And I had to tell myself like, you know, like, Hey, like medicine is medicine, but you got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself uh, mentally and wholeheartedly if you want to be able to make it to the finish line. And I had to understand that, you know, that this truly is, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. And then I had to continue on with this marathon and everything. So, you know, I did well my first year. Second year was very, very, very tough. Um, the middle of my second year of medical school, I lost my father to stage four prostate cancer. And that was the most difficult time of my entire life. Um, I love my dad very dearly and I miss him to this day. I wish he could see me right now. I wish I could call him and be like, hey, dad, I'm getting residency interviews at these places. Um, but unfortunately, I can't. Um, at that time, uh, mid second year of my medical school training, um, my father was on life support and my mother and my brother, you know, while they were home in Los Angeles, kind of trying to figure out what do we do? What do we do? They really depended on me to make that final decision to help remove him from life support. The day that my father passed away, I was on the phone with his ICU attending physician and we were going back and forth with the labs, with imaging, with all of his readings and stuff. And, you know, I... I played a very big role as far as my father's end of life care. And although that was so difficult for me to do, I know that he truly is proud of me for making those tough decisions and for me utilizing the knowledge that I acquired while in medical school to help make that decision for him. And I know that he's, he's looking down on me smiling, you know, as, as happy as he can be. Uh, and, and, you know, while, while things are very tough after his passing, um, I, I didn't really think about the, I didn't really think about being sad too much of most of the time and everything. I thought about the happy times and the good things that, the good times that we had, um, while he was living. And I know that I'm definitely making him proud right now. Uh, so, you know, fast forward, second year of med school, um, third year, I had a blast in third year of med school. Third year is traditionally the most challenging year because you're in the clinical wards, you're on the floors, you're learning and putting all that use of step one and everything um, to use and stuff. And I had a blast. I enjoyed each and every one of my rotations. And honestly, I could have talked myself into going into any specialty at that point, but ophthalmology stood out to me for a number of reasons. Um, so I did a random career exploration in ophthalmology. Um, I, I didn't really know much about the specialty. I was like, okay, cool. This sounds pretty interesting. Uh, I know somewhat about the eyes. Let's go see what it's about. 
from day one, the light bulb turned on and I was like, wait a minute, y'all, this is exactly what I want to do. Uh, I love ophthalmology because besides OB-GYN, it is the most primary care of the surgical subspecialties. You get to see patients in clinic, in outpatient settings, which I do love, <laughs> and you, you get to treat patients on acute basis as well as chronic basis. You can have a patient that comes in who has a cataract and you can tell them like, okay, you have a cataract. We can do surgery on you next week. You're going to be seeing better the same day, if not the next day. And essentially, your problem is going to be solved for a lot of the patients. For many of those cases, when you treat one patient, they go back and tell their family. They go back and tell their community, their churches. Uh, they go back and tell everybody. So you're not just treating the single patient as an ophthalmologist. You're integrated into the entire community. And I truly love that. I love being able to see patients um, on, you know, like a, like a weekly basis, you know, like next day, the week, and then a month after cataract surgery, I enjoyed being able to see patients, um, even on like a more spread out, um, like a more spread out time, depending on what their condition was. Um, another reason why I chose ophthalmology is because it remains as one of the most racially underrepresented specialties in medicine overall. There are only 2.5% of practicing black eye surgeons in the United States, per a paper that was published in JAMA back in 2016. That's a problem. That is a very big problem that I plan to address um, during residency as well as throughout my career and lifetime. I want to see more of us going into the specialty. I want to see more of us actually knowing what this specialty is about because I feel like Optho is one of those hidden gems of a surgical subspecialty because we don't get a lot of exposure in it while in medical school, which I'm sure that many of my friends as well as friends across the country can definitely talk to. Um, yeah, so a few more things that I wanted to talk to you guys about here. Um, um, so I was very blessed with the opportunity to be featured alongside with uh, my mentor, Dr. Dale Akorduru, for the uh, Today Show. We went on the NBC Today Show and we talked about our organization, uh, Black Men in White Coats, and all the wonderful things that we're doing uh, in effort to hope inspire as well as to um, build a network of uh, practicing Black physicians with that of young, aspiring um, physicians to help, you know, help to bridge that gap, to help build that of like a pipeline. That was such a wonderful experience that I got to do uh, this past summer. Also, this past summer, I got to uh, travel to Honolulu, Hawaii. I got to participate with the National Medical Association, NMA, with the RAB Venable Excellence in Ophthalmology um, Research Excellence Program, where I got to present my research in oculoplastic surgery. Um, at that research uh, symposium, you know, I got to meet pretty much majority of the black eye surgeons in this country. Um, and that was definitely a very, very, very enriching experience. Also over the summer, I got to do two away rotations at two excellent institutions, including uh, Duke University, as well as Harvard's uh, Massachusetts Eye and Ear Center. And, you know, currently right now, I'm just sitting around kind of waiting on more interview invitations to come about so that I can get ready to prepare adequately to go on and to handle these um, interviews for ophthalmology. And then my match day is um, actually going to be uh, January of 2020. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, know that I definitely will be on the lookout for that. Um, and so that that essentially has been my journey from the very beginning, pretty much from why I wanted to become a doctor to where I am right now. And with that all said, um, there there definitely is a message within that, you know, what I want to let you guys know is that if there is a will, 
there truly is a way. I want for you guys to understand that you have to study, you have to work, you have to network, you have to grind, you have to do what it is that you need to do until something happens. That is a phrase that I truly do live with, until something happens. Now, the road ahead, it definitely is long and it's not going to be easy, but it can be done. You will have some good times that you will remember for the rest of your life and you will have some hills to be able to climb that once you get on the other side, you'll be able to see like, wow, I learned something from that. I can apply that within that of my future. You know, if this truly is something that you want to do for the rest of your life, go for it. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Reach out to us at Black Men in White Coats. You know, uh, find a mentor. Try to do your absolute best to seek out others who have gone through this long path so that you can get the information and the resources that you truly need. Please, 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 guys, do not give up. Don't give up on your dream. If I would have given up on my dream after my father passed away, after uh, when I was going to go into pre-pharmacy, you know, after when people told me maybe you shouldn't apply to medical school, I wouldn't have just given up on my dreams. Many other people would have also given up on their dreams too. There are many people who look up to me as I am their mentor. And I understand that this journey does not just include myself. It is so much bigger than just myself, you know? Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You guys, my name is Aaron Douglas Dotson, and I am a black man in a white coat. Thank you. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Excellent words by student Dr. Aaron Dotson. Actually, he's about to be Dr. Aaron Dotson. And I always thought it was kind of cool that we're filming a lot of... and. You guys may have noticed I've actually shifted a lot of the focus of this podcast to medical students because that's kind of the cry we were getting. People wanted people who were kind of younger. I'm still doing doctors, of course, but the medical students bring a certain vibe. You guys can kind of feel it in these episodes, right? But I've always kind of wondered, like, we'll call them student doctor, but in a couple of years, in the case of Aaron, it's going to be a couple of months, they're going to be doctor, not student doctors anymore. So I'm just going to go ahead and start calling some of y'all doctors. So Dr. Aaron Dotson, that has a better ring to it. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I told y'all that was going to be a great episode. Hands down, one of my favorite episodes so far. And maybe it's because I'm biased because I know Aaron, you know, personally. And uh, maybe it's because I'm biased because we have similar history in certain aspects, right? He talks about that SMDEP program that he did at Yale. So I did that same exact program. But when I did it, it was called SMEP. And that was called um, something different. You know, it keeps on keeps on changing names. And, and that's for a good purpose because they want to make sure they're accommodating to the needs that have to be have to be met out there but it's the same same program so we had the same uh miss linda jackson shout out to miss linda jackson out there running that program at yale and it was the same exact program and the same things he said about how he made lifelong friends i made lifelong friends so he had a great path he had ups and downs but man i tell you to that pre-med listen to this pay attention to what he was saying right the challenges just pay attention to how he overcame how he hung in there Pay attention to that blackout moment in this physics class. How awesome was that, right? As soon as I heard that, I was actually driving. I pulled over into a parking lot, and I stopped, and I sent Aaron a text. I was like, man, I love that blackout moment in uh, in his physics class before that exam. But so many great things to take from this podcast, and, you know, wow, crazy. As I'm recording this right now, my house just went black. 
it just came back on. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Because I'm recording all the lights in my house just went off. Literally, I promise. Not even joking. But they just came back on. That's crazy. That's crazy. But hey, hey, whatever. It is what it is. Lights are back on now, so I'm not freaking out. I'm good. But anyway, so that blackout moment that he talked about, you know, I, I thought I thought was was you know, it was just a funny story and cool cool type of thing. I actually lost my train of thought when my lights going out black. That kind of threw me off for a second. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> that threw me off for a little second there. But so many great things from Aaron's story. If you guys have any questions, any pre-meds, he is on diversemedicine.com. So make sure you log on to diversemedicine.com and just bug him. You know, tell him, tell him Dr. Dale sent you. Just keep on bugging him and bugging him and bugging him because Aaron's a great guy, man. And he, you know, he's done webinars for us and, and he's done other podcasts for us before. And the reason we keep on bringing him back is because he just has a way to get, get his message across to people. And he's just a phenomenal guy that everybody needs to pay attention to the words he has to say because, um, you know, when I was in medical school, one of the deans brought me into the office. She said, Dale, people want to hear what you have to say. And ever since I heard that, um, I've been inspired and I do a lot of talking. You know, I get invited across the country to do public speaking gigs now. And people do want to hear what I have to say. I finally come to come to understand that. I'm going to say the same thing about Aaron. People want to hear what Aaron has to say. I don't say that about everybody because trust me, a lot of people just talk and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People want to hear what Aaron has to say. Okay. So definitely get on diversemedicine.com and bug him and pick his brain. He is a fountain of knowledge. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Make sure you are keeping up to date with Black Men and White Coast because we will start announcing where these summits are going to be coming out across the country um, in a few weeks or so. We'll start letting you guys know as we're solidifying some of these dates. I already have some some dates set, but we'll start rolling them out here in a few weeks. All right. Um, Dr. Doc, so definitely get on Amazon. We'll put the link down in, in the description. Get on Amazon, buy this book, Dr. Doc. It, even if you're a grown up and have no kids, buy the book because when you see it, trust me, you're going to be blown away. The messages I've gotten from people are they're just absolutely blown away by this book, right? New concept, never seen anything like, like it before. When you get it, take a look at it. You will be blown away. It's just something that you want to have. Probably grab a copy for kids. That people come up to me and say, wow, I bought six copies, Christmas copies. People said, oh, I bought uh, X amount of copies for teachers and all sorts of stuff. People are just buying them up. Um, just because it's such a great thing for kids. I'm not just saying that because it's my book. Just trust me. Grab it. Take a look at it. And you will see what I mean. It's something different. All right. Something different. Super excited. Um, you know, have a great week. So I got to say, hope you guys are checking out my Maximize Monday podcast. I'm actually talking with um, some other folks probably about to launch another podcast coming up here very, very soon. Slightly different angle on this podcast, but something that is really my passion. And it'll be great to get get it to you guys and you will all benefit from it. All right. Love you. Love you. Love you guys. Have a phenomenal week. All right. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah.